Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. I've now spent hundreds of hours on radio, on TV, talking about this virus, talking about the economic consequences, the health consequences, trying to bring you the best information I can from some of the great experts out there, some of whom are not getting much attention because they don't go along with the crowd. And so, of course, I come under attack by organizations funded by George Soros and some of them funded by Stiers, these billionaires who are destroying media. This group, ProPublica, puts out a piece, something about March 16th, where I compare this to the flu. Look, folks, any effort to try and diminish what I'm talking to you about, the substance of, you got to ignore them. Just go to the original source, me. You can listen to the program in all its context, whereas they try to cherry pick. And a group like that has no uh, intention of reporting anything. They're trying to show that I downplayed the virus. Now, you've been listening to this show. I try to put things in perspective. I try to bring experts, so forth. It's not a matter of downplaying. It's a matter of explaining. People can make their own decisions. In fact, I take it very, very seriously in our own household, with my own family. But that doesn't mean I have to go along with the extremists and those who are absolutely hysterically out of their mind, who want to destroy our country and transform it into some kind of a left-wing utopia, which, of course, would be a disaster. And so they attack. And the way it works, just two minutes on this. They'll do that piece. Then it's picked up by um, one of these left-wing groups, then another left-wing group. And then when Wikipedia does a, you know, a profile of yours truly, then they cite to it. That's how it works. So it's there forever that Mark Levin didn't take the virus seriously. It is uh, fascistic. It is propagandistic. It is pure demagoguery. And I'm going to continue to say what I need to say, what I feel I need to say, and bring to you individuals. These aren't kooks. These aren't conspiracy theorists. These are serious experts who may not show up on cable TV all the time, certainly not in the Washington Post and the New York Times, but these are serious people. And some of them have, in fact, turned up a lot on television. That's what I do here. Bring you serious, substantive information. ProPublica, funded by George Soros and Tom Steyer, among others. Media Matters. This other thing, TMZ or whatever the hell it's called. Another left-wing, all left-wing front groups. But I'm going to plow ahead anyway. 
Now, I'm going to tell you something about this so-called stimulus bill. It stinks to high heaven. It is a massive, massive ripoff of the American people. There are aspects of it that are important. There are aspects of it that are important, maybe up to a trillion dollars worth. But there are things in this bill that are unacceptable to me. And giving people who are employed money, because you want them to spend money. This is funny money. Where's this money coming from? They have to print it. It's not acceptable to me. Giving the Kennedy senator money is not acceptable to me. $400 million to the states to advance a left-wing voter agenda is not acceptable to me. You look at this bill. States get money. Localities get money. Indian reservations get money. All kinds of money. It's not all needs-based. If you were going to tell me we're going to spend money to build hospitals, expand hospitals, get more beds, more ICUs, ventilators, respirators, I'm all in. If you're going to tell me the, the men and women, the entrepreneurs that have businesses that have been shut down by governors and others, that they need long-term, no-interest loans, I'm all in. If you're going to tell me that we need to help the people who are unemployed, I am all in. That doesn't take $2 trillion. Or as Larry Kudlow says, $6 trillion. $6 trillion? The effects of this down the road are going to be enormous. You know, it's true. We may have an economy that explodes in productivity and jobs and all the rest of it. But the laws of economics don't change. There's a balance. Just like there's a balance between the virus and the economy, there's a balance between helping people and going nuts. Let me tell you one of the things that's in this bill. I know. Some of you will be angry with me. Too bad. I can't help it. Listen to this. This is very important. And they're out there bragging about it. In this bill, in this bill, if you're laid off, if you're furloughed for four months even, up to four months, you get 100% of your salary up to $1,100 a week. Sound good? It's a disaster. If I'm running a business and the quickest way, the quickest way that I can remove people from my payroll is to put them on a temporary furlough for four months and have the federal government pay their salaries 100% up to $1,100 a week. 100%. This will guarantee a massive increase in the unemployment numbers. Because if you're smart and you're looking at this, even if you're a small or mid-sized business, you're saying, particularly a large business, 
you know what? I'm eking out a profit here, but let me, let me furlough a bunch of my people. I'll bring them back so I can have a temporary respite so the federal government can pay 100% of their salaries up to $1,100 a week for four months. That's a lot of money. That's well over $16,000 per employee. And so this is counterintuitive. Oh, and they're very thrilled because now it applies to independent contractors and self-employed individuals. Can you imagine? Say I'm self-employed. You know what? I'm going to take off for four months. That's what I'm going to do. Government's going to pay me $1,100 a week. And then after that, I'll come back. Now, that's not what's supposed to happen, is it? Is that what's supposed to happen? The reason why unemployment insurance and these other insurances never pay 100% is because they seek to avoid this loophole. It's not really even a loophole. This gaming of the system. If somebody's going to get 100% of their salary up to $1,100 a week, and the government can pay for it, and you can furlough them for four months and then bring them back, that's a disaster. That's absurd. You'll have some businesses and companies that'll get millions and millions of dollars by furloughing people. Well, they won't get millions and millions of dollars. They have to pass it through, but it's millions and millions of dollars worth to furlough people. How does that encourage maintaining a workforce, Mr. Producer? Beats you, right? Beats everybody. You have members of Congress, people who've never run anything. They're just throwing money around now. You and I could have come up with a plan. You want to help the airlines, restaurants, the uh, hospitality business, and so forth? Great. Zero percent long-term loans immediately, as few strings attached as possible. Get the money into these places. But you also have to begin the process of opening businesses. You can't shut down companies and industries and then say, but here's money. Keep running. A payroll tax freeze would have been the best way to go. The president proposed it. It's not even in here. Everything else is in here, but that's not in here. And then you have Senator Richard Blumenthal, Connecticut. You know what he said today? This is the third stimulus bill. Third one. We may need a fourth and a fifth. May need a fourth and a fifth? Kudlow just said this is $6 trillion. $2 trillion plus $4 trillion that the Fed can pump into the system. $6 trillion. And an economy that's, <clears throat> excuse me, 17 and a half, 18, 18 and a half trillion dollars, depending on the year. Gross domestic product. $6 trillion in addition to a $4.5 trillion federal budget. That's $10.5 trillion in an economy that produces, let's say, $18 trillion in wealth. 
You can't jumpstart the economy with that. Now, I know I'm going against the grain. I said I would vote for this bill because there are people who really are hurting. There are businesses that unfairly have been shut down by government as a result of the virus. We've never done this before. We've never had a situation like this before. And for whatever the reason, good, bad, or indifferent, if the government's going to shut people down and put them out of business, there needs to be some kind of recompense for that. And it's amazing. There's people out there who believe we should shut down the economy, quote, for as long as it takes, unquote. And most of these people have jobs. And most of these people are unaffected. I'm just... Well, let me put it to you this way. Apparently we're all socialists now. Apparently we're all socialists now. And once we get through this, and we'll get through it, of course we will. I don't see the country disappearing, do you? I don't predict it. Let's see what we look like after. As I say, count me in in muscling up our hospitals, the equipment they need, lifting the cap on the number of doctors, nurses, lifting the cap on, on beds. That's, all these things have been limited by government. Number of doctors by Congress, effectively. Number of hospitals, hospital beds, hospital facilities by states. Number of ventilators, decisions, priorities made by governors like Cuomo in the past. So we need to step in. We're all Americans and help. But this other stuff, this is a disgrace. This isn't about voting for it and holding your nose. This is about people who vote for it getting up and explaining that they want to help those Americans who really need help. But the v- at least half of this bill is disgusting. It's a disgrace. I knew it would be. It went from $1 trillion to $1.2 trillion to $1.8 trillion to $2 trillion, now $6 trillion. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I've been talking a lot about the four pillars or purposes of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. We focus quite a bit on the first pillar of learning. But what about character? Learning the right things to the point where you truly know them is a rigorous business. It isn't possible without strong character. Hillsdale's great president, Larry Arnn, and his outstanding faculty at Hillsdale know that intellectual virtue is meaningless without moral virtue. That having knowledge doesn't mean much if you don't use what you know to serve the good, however possible. And here's an outstanding fact. Every entering freshman at Hillsdale signs an honor code that reads as follows. A Hillsdale college student is honorable in conduct, honest in word and deed, dutiful in study and service, and respectful of the rights of others. Through education, the student rises to self-government. Now, to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. 
Now, what's going to happen as a result of that first segment is the left will write things to make it look like I'm attacking the president. Then the nationalist populists, who will more and more look like the left, will write things to suggest that I don't care about the little guy. And the vast majority of people who you've relied on on radio and TV as conservatives, as sensible, reasonable people all these decades will turn out not to be so. I didn't say that there shouldn't be an incredibly robust effort to help the businesses that have been shuttered as a result of government decisions and to help the people who are suffering as a result. We're talking $2 trillion, ladies and gentlemen. And we're talking about ideas like 100% of an individual's salary up to four months. So if I furlough somebody, I just heard, let's say I'm running a business. I just heard that, and I have 50 employees. And I'm kind of edging along here, and I hear that. Okay, I'll furlough 20 or 30. Now I know that they're going to get 100% of their salary up to $1,100 paid for by you. Also, this idea to give people who are working money or people who are getting money who aren't working, like many teachers, many bureaucrats. Really? We're going to drive up the debt over that? Where did this idea come from? Think that's fair? Think that's appropriate? Think that's going to fix anything? And what exactly are they going to spend their money on? That they're not already spending money on. So no, my goal isn't to sabotage anyone. It's not to attack, you know, the administration or anything of the sort. I think the president desperately wants to and has wanted to do the right thing. He wanted a bill to help... Americans, through no fault of their own, are unemployed as a result of this virus and governmental decisions. He's a very compassionate man. He wanted to help support businesses that are going out of business, again, because of decisions made by the government. He had a great idea, freezing the payroll taxes. A great idea, long-term, low-interest, no-interest loans. But Congress went nuts. Congress went nuts. 1 trillion, 1.2 trillion, 1.8 trillion, 2 trillion, 6 trillion. But Mark better keep his mouth shut, right? I'll be right back. I've been talking a lot about the four pillars or purposes of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. We focus quite a bit on the first pillar of learning. But what about character? Learning the right things to the point where you truly know them is a rigorous business. It isn't possible without strong character. Hillsdale's great president, Larry Arnn, and his outstanding faculty at Hillsdale know that intellectual virtue is meaningless without moral virtue, that having knowledge doesn't mean much if you don't use what you know to serve the good, however possible. And here's an outstanding fact. Every entering freshman at Hillsdale signs an honor code that reads as follows. A Hillsdale college student is honorable in conduct, honest in word and deed, dutiful in study and service, and respectful of the rights of others. Through education, the student rises to self-government. 
Now, to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Mark Levin, the modern voice of the founding fathers. This is the Mark Levin Show. Dial in now at 877-381-3811. The Wall Street Journal... Yesterday, there was a piece by uh, two individuals who are professors of medicine at Stanford. A lot of really smart people writing and speaking out of Stanford. And the headline is, which is why you really haven't heard much about this, is the coronavirus is deadly as they say. Now, I want you to listen to this. These aren't kooks. These aren't conspiracy nuts like ProPublica and Media Matters and Mediaite and all the rest of the reprobates. They're not funded by Soros and others. If it's true that the novel coronavirus would kill millions without shelter-in-place orders and quarantines, then the extraordinary measures being carried out in cities and states around the country are surely justified. But there's little evidence to confirm that premise and projections of the death toll could plausibly be orders of magnitude too high. And folks, this is one of the reasons why I am really offended by the constant use of graphics and charts on television and elsewhere that claim to show the number of people who have this virus, and among other things, the number of people who are dying from this virus. The number of people who have this virus, ladies and gentlemen, is far greater than the number of people they're showing on TV. And the number of people who are dying from this virus is really not clearly known in every instance because everyone doesn't undergo an autopsy. And it could be that somebody was already dying from heart failure or cancer or whatever. And this virus was the kick that pushed them over the edge. But they weren't going to survive anyway. Perhaps we don't have those statistics. But let me continue. This is actually a very brilliantly written piece by these professors. Fear of COVID-19 is based on its high estimated case fatality rate. Two to four percent of people with confirmed COVID-19 have died, according to the World Health Organization and others. So if 100 million Americans ultimately get the disease, two million to four million could die. We believe that estimate is deeply flawed. The true fatality rate is the portion of those infected who die not the deaths from identified positive cases. Now, what does that mean? Their point is there's a lot of infected people out there that we're not picking up because they're not tested. Everybody's not being tested. South Korea, they had massive testing going on, which is one of the reasons the death rate is so low as a statistical matter. The latter rate, that is deaths from identified positive cases as opposed to actually infected people is misleading because of selection bias in testing. The degree of bias is uncertain because available data are limited, but it could make the difference between an epidemic that kills 20,000 and one that kills 2 million. 2 million. By the way, the latest statistic I saw is 600,000 people die a year of cancer, just to give you some context. 
I'm not comparing the diseases and how you get them and don't get them. I'm just giving you some comparison. If the number of actual infections is much larger than the number of cases, orders of magnitude larger, then the true fatality rate is much lower as well. That's not only plausible, but likely based on what we know so far. Population samples from China, and and by the way, media, pay attention, will you? Stop playing your damn games all the time. And ignore the billionaire left-wing funded sites that are out there to confuse you and push their agendas, like ProPublica and the rest. Just ignore them. And those who are going to twist my comments in the first half hour of this program to try and use them to savage the president, ignore them. I say what I say. You can hear me say it. We don't need interpreters from the left. Population samples from China, Italy, Iceland, and the United States provide relevant evidence. And by the way, we're getting more and more numbers because we're now testing hundreds of thousands of people. And guess what? The rate of deaths is going down. On or around January 31, countries sent planes to evacuate citizens from Wuhan, China. When those planes landed, the passengers were tested for COVID-19 and quarantined. After 14 days, the percentage who tested positive was 0.9%. If that was the prevalence in the greater Wuhan area on January 31, and this is where it started, then with a population of about 20 million, greater Wuhan had 178,000 infections, about 30-fold more than the number of reported cases. The fatality rate then would be at least tenfold lower than the estimates based on reported cases. So in other words, their point is identified cases versus people infected. Next, the northeastern Italian town of Vo, I guess that's how you pronounce it, V-O, in the provincial capital of Padua. On March 6, all 3,300 people in that town were tested. There were 90 positive a prevalence of 2.7%. Now, applying that prevalence to the whole province of 955,000 people, which had 198 reported cases, suggests there were actually 26,000 infections at that time. That's more than 130-fold the number of actual reported cases. Since Italy's case fatality rate of 8% is estimated using only the confirmed cases, the real fatality rate could, in fact, be closer to 0.06%. Please, newsrooms around the country, directors, producers, executives, pay attention because the numbers you're throwing on the TV on the, with the graphics are extraordinarily misleading. You're panicking people. Give them the facts. If that panics people, so be it. In Iceland, decode Genetics is working with the government to perform widespread testing in a sample of nearly 2,000 entirely asymptomatic people. Researchers estimated disease prevalence of just over 1% of Iceland's first case and was reported on February 28, weeks behind the U.S. It's plausible the proportion of the U.S. population that has been infected is double, triple, even 10 times as high as the estimates from Iceland. Now, this is logical, ladies and gentlemen, because we don't have enough tests, and we're starting now to get enough and test people, and the numbers of people infected have gone way up. 
Early on, I heard a Johns Hopkins doctor, an expert, say a couple of weeks ago, he figures it's probably half a million to a million. So when you have half a million to a million as the denominator, and then when you're looking at the number of deaths that you can apply to this virus, and they don't even do that with exactitude, you can see that the percentage drops dramatically. Now, the best, they write, albeit, well, that's not that great. It's a good point, but I'm going to move on because we don't have all night. How can we reconcile these estimates with these models? First, the test used to identify cases doesn't catch people who were infected and recovered. Second, testing rates were woefully low for a long time and typically reserved for the severely ill. Together, these facts imply that the confirmed cases are likely orders of magnitude less than the true number of infections. Modelers haven't adequately adapted their estimates to account for those factors. Now, this does not make COVID-19 a non-issue. This is where the left media and others have difficulty with comprehension. I'm not saying, they're not saying that this isn't a problem. It's a problem. It is a serious virus. Influenza is a serious illness. Nobody's downplaying anything. But we're still trying to analyze what's taking place. The daily reports from Italy and across the U.S. show real struggles and overwhelmed health systems. But a 20,000 or 40,000 death epidemic, terrible as it is, is far less severe than one that kills 2 million. And given the enormous consequences of decisions around COVID-19's response, getting clear data to guide decisions now is critical. We don't know the true infection rate in the U.S. Antibody testing of representative samples to measure disease prevalence, including those who've recovered, is crucial. Nearly every day, a new lab gets approval for antibody testing, so population testing using this technology is now feasible. And if we're right, they write, about the limited scale of the epidemic, that is, limited scale in the sense of mortality, then measures focused on older populations and hospitals are sensible. Again, they're saying apply the resources where we know they need to be applied. The elderly, people with uh, weak immune systems and other illnesses that are susceptible to dire consequences. Parts of the country, like New York City, Parts of Washington State, parts of California need to have focused, laser-focused resources. Not just for them, which is important enough, but to control it. Hospital resources will need to be reallocated to care for critically ill patients. Triage will need to improve, and policymakers will need to focus on reducing risks for older adults and people with underlying medical conditions. A universal quarantine may not be worth the cost it imposes on the economy, community, and individual mental and physical health. We should undertake immediate steps to evaluate the empirical basis of the current lockdowns. And so you have governors like Newsom and this guy in Illinois. They shut down the whole state. All of California is not L.A. and San Francisco. All of Illinois is not Chicago. So you have human differences, and you have geographic differences. This is very, very important. 
And that piece that I read to you the other day, which shockingly was in the New York Times, five days ago, by David Katz, doctor, specialist in preventive medicine and public health, president of True Health Initiative, founding director of Yale University's Yale Griffin Prevention Research Center. It's not getting enough attention. But I have a feeling the president must have read this because the president has been saying this too. Is our fight against the coronavirus worse than the disease? And what the president says is he doesn't want the cure to be worse than the disease. And he's right. He's 100% correct. 100% correct. This is the gentleman who wrote, why the hell are we sending college and university students back to their families when they have parents and grandparents? We're going to spread the disease. That is the virus. Rather than contain it. He says, why, why are we stretching our resources from sea to shining sea? That's not how we conduct military operations or, quite frankly, any other activity. They're focused. They're surgical approaches. Then you don't have as many shortages of medical equipment and beds and so forth and so on. And perhaps you can move doctors and nurses into these areas to help more. I'm just pointing it out. The president has done a fantastic job. And now we have more and more data. And you can already tell by the way he's been talking the last several days. He's looking at the data. He's hearing what's going on. And he's saying, okay, let's focus on those areas and let the other areas open up for business. So we can have a thriving economy that funds all this stuff. He's right. Let's see if they quote me on that. But we can't continue to do this. As Dr. Katz points out, the social, economic, public health consequences of a near-total meltdown of normal life, schools, businesses, gatherings, will be long-lasting and calamitous, possibly graver than the direct toll of the virus itself. This is what the president's talking about. And the media's in there trying to get his health experts and the president, you know, on opposite sides. Well, the health experts are health experts. It's up to the president to make these decisions. And there are other health experts like this who say, okay, now it's time to pivot. One of those words. And now it's time, now that we have data, now that we have massive testing going on, it's time to respond to the data. And the data tells us what we can do. And the data, the data sometimes is good, sometimes it's not so good. But in terms of vulnerable groups and vulnerable areas of the country, it's good. In terms of giving out information about the death rate with this virus, it is terrible. I'll be right back. in. I've been talking a lot about the four pillars or purposes of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. We focus quite a bit on the first pillar of learning. But what about character? Learning the right things to the point where you truly know them is a rigorous business. It isn't possible without strong character. Hillsdale's great president, Larry Arn, and his outstanding faculty at Hillsdale know that intellectual virtue is meaningless without moral virtue. 
that having knowledge doesn't mean much if you don't use what you know to serve the good, however possible. And here's an outstanding fact. Every entering freshman at Hillsdale signs an honor code that reads as follows. A Hillsdale College student is honorable in conduct, honest in word and deed, dutiful in study and service, and respectful of the rights of others. Through education, the student rises to self-government. Now, to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Boy, oh boy, these things that I'm bringing you, you'll never find them on the, the new Drudge Report. I don't really know who owns it anymore. Maybe it's still Matt. We don't talk anymore. But my God, if you read that, you better call the suicide hotline and you better call them immediately. And they're not alone. Look at Mediate, this constant attacking on the president. Or this ProPublica and its endless left-wing agenda. And then how it feeds through the the billionaire-created chain of left-wing sites and phony news organizations and so forth, into the mainstream media and the Democrat Party press. This is why people hate the media. But here's a link right here. BuzzFeed slashes employee pay amid crisis. Now, here's what BuzzFeed should do under this, under this so-called stimulus bill if it passes. It has every indication showing that it will, or it'll be worse by the time Pelosi's done with it. Don't slash their salaries, just fire them. Better yet, furlough them for four months. And you and I will pay 100% of their salaries up to $1,100 a week. So if I'm the head of BuzzFeed, now I'm looking at this and saying, hey, look, this is like welfare. I don't have to pay them anything. Forget about slashing their salaries. You call the employees in, you say, I'm going to furlough you. You'll get 100% up to $1,100 a month. Excuse me, a week. I'm going to furlough you. Now, I assume they're also eligible. I haven't heard otherwise. For the $1,200 per adult and $500 per child. So technically, so technically they can get that too, I guess. Bureaucrats who earn under $75,000 a year, they're going to get money. Teachers who earn under $75,000 a year, who are still still getting paid, they're going to get money. I'm not against teachers. I'm not against all bureaucrats. But this is outrageous. And you know what? I think if the president could actually write the bill without Pelosi and without Schumer and the rest of them, it would be a much better bill. Get down to business, target it, just like we want to target our health resources. But he's not. He's the president. He's not income. We'll be back in a few minutes. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, 
everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Mr. Producer, the link for the call screen has not worked. Have Richie or somebody resend it to me, would you? All right. Andrew Cuomo. You know, I watch this guy when I can, his daily press conferences. And when he's done and questions are uh, being asked, he's really getting giddy. He's very excited because people are talking about him being president of the United States, somehow hijacking the Democrat convention. If you've seen Biden lately, what a disgrace of that Democrat party to nominate this guy. I mean, he's almost there. Now you have Bernie Sanders threatening to stop the stimulus bill, not because it's reckless, because it doesn't go far enough. And he thinks this will breathe life into his uh, campaign. His campaign's over. You know, I'm not into the prediction business, but he's got no way out. So for Andrew Cuomo, the money that New York's getting is a drop in the bucket. Even though the president and his staff seem to be playing an enormous amount of time on New York and New York City for obvious reasons. It's the epicenter now. Trying to get ventilators there, building facilities, sending a a U.S. Navy uh, medical ship there. Uh, getting beds there and on and on and on. Things the governor and the state government should have been doing. They had a heads up that they couldn't handle a pandemic. Uh, Andrew Cuomo did nothing about it. Nothing. Zero. The Democrats that run that state did nothing about it. Zero. The mayor did nothing about it. Zero. Bloomberg too. But here he is today pontificating. Cut one, go. The Senate is also uh, considering a $2 trillion bill, uh, which is, quote-unquote, relief for uh, businesses, individuals, and uh, governments. Uh, It would really uh, be terrible for the state of New York. The $2 trillion bill, what does it mean for New York state government? It means $3.8 billion. See, now let's stop. See, these states now want to be bailed out. These governors and state legislatures, perhaps they made bad decisions or no decisions. But they want to be bailed out. There's an enormous amount of money in here for hospitals, for hospital beds and so forth. I don't want you to think there isn't. There is. But the fact of the matter is they want to be bailed out. What do you think of that? Let us go to some of the callers. I'd be curious to know what you think of some of the things I've been saying. You may disagree with them. Perhaps you don't. The number is 877-381-381. Well, we have a full board right now. So let's start right from the top. The people have been waiting the longest as we go down the list. Marie, Howell, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go. Hi, Mark. Um, This is Lori Boxer calling. Hi. Listen, I'm sorry. I, they have um, your name uh, up here as Marie. I don't know how that. No, that's happens. fine. That's fine. I just want to be quick because I know you're busy. First of all, I agree with everything you, everything you're saying tonight, and, and and I'm going to tell you something. I am 64. My husband is 67. We're blue collar folk. We have our own small businesses. I'm not hurting yet, but my husband is. He's in the meat business and he services restaurants. So you can imagine with all the restaurants, really hurt exactly. But here, here's my point. Even though we could use the money, I'm telling you the president should not sign the damn bill. He should go on television tonight, in my opinion, 
And he, in the way, listen, the reason why we all love him is because he talks like us. He sounds like us. And, and he, he needs to get on television. He needs to have a big list of all that crap, one item at a time, JFK Center, you know, $35 million, and uh, NPR, this amount of money, and the, and, and the money for the labor unions, and one item at a time, and look the people, American people in the face and said, I want this to go to you. And not one dime. I'm willing to go without it. I'm, I swear to God I am. I'm willing to use my credit cards if, if they get so desperate. Rather than have all of that money. What the hell? Should, why should any money go to NPR, Planned Parenthood, emission standards, ballot, ballot harvesting? Well, it's, 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 some of that's out. But I believe uh, some of it's still in. And you're quite right about that. And let me ask you a question. Why would we pay... 100% of the salary that somebody is furloughed up to $1,100 a week for four months. Why would we incentivize the furloughing of people? I agree with you. hundred percent. I don't, I'm I, even, I, I, don't I, I can understand why the hardcore left-wing Democrats want this. They want people owing the government. They want people relying on the government. This is a power play with them. But why would any Republican support this? This does not help the country. This does not help the unemployed. This doesn't help the unemployment numbers. This doesn't jumpstart the economy. It drives up the unemployment number. Exactly. And when I see Mitch, and everybody was giving credit to you know, McConnell, how angry McConnell was on the Senate floor the other day. And I'm looking at myself and I'm saying to myself, am I seeing the same thing these folks are seeing? The man doesn't have a pulse. And let me well, ask you this. How did we go from 1.2? To 1.8. First, we went from 1 trillion to 1.2 to 1.8 to 2 trillion, and now Kudlow's out there saying it's really 6 trillion. Have you ever heard of anything like this? No, and every single dime should go to the any money that's allocated should go to the. How, how hard would it have been to figure out how to get money to people who are truly hurting? Well, you know what you said a few minutes ago? You said that the best bill would have been written by the president himself, but that, you know, but that he would have written a targeted bill, but, you know, presidents don't write bills. You know something? I agree with you. And he should mm-hmm. do it right on national television. He should have it. Knowing the president, the way Here, I Here's his problem. He strongly believes we need more liquidity in the system. And so what's happened is the, the rhino Republicans and the radical left-wing Democrats have taken advantage of this situation— uh, this virus, the governor shuttering businesses to ram through massive spending. They're, they're outbidding one another. As I say, it went from $1 trillion to one two to one eight to $2 trillion almost overnight uh, with all kinds. The Kennedy Center, this, I know it's not a lot, relatively speaking, $25 million now, something like, to the Kennedy Center? But no, but $35 million, you know how many? I don't know, they how reduced many... it from the House number to twenty five. so you're supposed to be happy now. I'm just, I'm so beside my, and I know, look, I've got a lot of friends, a lot of colleagues in this, in the area, we're all, you know, hardworking, and none of us, all of us feel the same way that we should, he should, he should go on TV, because he needs to explain this to everybody. I, I agree with you, and I think the intensity of the anger over this, and what Congress has done, won't set in today or tomorrow, but over time it will, because here's the truth, 90% of the people are working. 85% of the people, 80% of the people are working. The businesses that are being shut down are being shut down as a result of decisions being made mostly at the state level. And they're not going to get as much money as they think. 
So what you're going to see here is that at some point people are going to realize what's going on here and they're going to be pretty pissed off. Marie, I want to thank you for your excellent call. Thanks very much. Tom, Indianapolis, Indiana, the home state of our great vice president, Mike Pence. XM Satellite, go. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate everything you do. Um, I was on my way home from work when you first came on, and I told your your call screener, I'm livid. And thank God he hasn't signed it yet. I thought he had signed it. And I'm like, please do not do this. Because what I look at is what incentive are you giving a person to go out and better themselves, not live off the government, and get the government the hell out of my life by paying them for four months to sit home? What incentive are you giving people to go to work? And I'm sitting here saying to myself, please don't sign this bill. Well, because I'm one of those essentials. I drive a gasoline tanker, so I've got to get the stations and I'm working and I don't mind working and I don't mind helping. You want to give people unemployment for an extended period of time to get back on track. I get that. I understand that. But they're basically telling us, look, we're going to control your life and we're basically going to shut everything down for four months. I think that's really their plan by them doing it. I think the problem is, let, let's give an example. Let me try this again. You have, a, you have a small business. you got 50 people. And you could do better, really, if you were down maybe to 20 or 30 or something like that. And now the government comes in and they say, uh, we're going to pay 100, 100% of that person's salary up to $1,100 a week. That's not chump change for four months. So I, I say to my 50 employees, okay, 20 of you, would you like to take off for four months? They pay. say, yes, I'll pay. you'll get 100% of your pay. Now, you and I are paying for that. This is how this is going to be played. If you were to say to those employees, you'll get 80% of your pay, they're not going to like that. You get 100%? And on top of that, I don't believe it's excluded unless... One of these people who've written the bill in secret will tell me, on top of that, you're going to get $1,200 an adult and $500 a kid. So why wouldn't you take the four months off? (laughs) Exactly. What incentive? Like, I want to get, I love my job and I love my industry, but I want to go out on my own and do something else because I want to take control of what I'm doing in my life. Mm-hmm. And the way these people are is like, no, just be under our control and we'll take care of you. And here's the other thing. Think about it a second. We have people breaking their ass like you, delivering fuel. We have them working at supermarkets, working the shelves, breaking their butts. People working at pharmacies, breaking their backs. You have people working in hospitals, breaking their backs. And then they hear, wait a minute. You're going to furlough somebody and you're going to give them 100% of their salary up to $1,100 a week for four months? Well, what kind of incentive are you creating? You're not. Tom, I want to thank you for your call. We'll be right back. Lovin. Let's continue. I've decided, you know, we'll spend a better part of this hour hearing from you. I think the uh, Congress needs to hear from you. The administration needs to hear from you. 
The Treasury Secretary needs to hear from you. You people are furious with this bill. Furious. Moses, North Bergen, New Jersey, that great WABC. Go. Moses, how are you? Mark, how you doing, my friend? Great to talk to you as always. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. You know, actually, your first caller, she actually took a lot of what I wanted to say. Like, you know, it is absolutely outrageous, some of the stuff that the Democrats are putting into this bill. And the one thing that I've been noticing the last couple of weeks, just watching in regards to messaging what the president has been doing and his team, they are absolutely shredding and exposing the media. You know, in that room, because the media, they're being put in a position that they actually have to defend, like, their their positions, and and the Democrats as well. And that's something the president, I think, needs to do more of. He should be putting screenshots of the actual bill and the proposals that the Democrats want to be in, and then say, how the hell does this have to do—what does this have to do with anything with COVID-19? In in other words, your point, just to sum up, is he ought not be so enthusiastic that this is the biggest bill ever. And, and Kudlow ought not be out there. It's not really $2 trillion, It's $6 trillion. Because what I'm hearing from America, there's millions of you who listen to this program, is you're very unhappy with this. That this is a spending spree, you're telling me. That there are things that should be done and could be done to help our fellow Americans. But this goes way too far. Is that your point? That's exactly my point. He should be highlighting all the quotes from all these Democrats, like Jim Clyburn, saying this is an opportunity to have our vision imposed. What the hell does that have to do with coronavirus when there's Americans dying and there's businesses that are on the verge of bankruptcy? I I, I want to keep circling back to this, Moses. I'm curious your opinion. Why would we give four months 100% salary up to $1,100 a week if people are furloughed? Even now, if you're... you're you, you, can, you can play this system. In other words, if you're an employer and an employee, you can play this system. Tell them you'll hire him back in four months. You're going to get 100%. That's pretty damn good. Nobody gets 100%. Right? So I call people in and say, who wants to be furloughed? I'll hire you in four months. What good does that do? It does good to nobody. And what happens, the ultimate loser at the end of the day, long term, is the American taxpayers, specifically our children and grandchildren, when they have to pay back this day. All right, Moses, thank you. It's a very smart young man there. Angela Everett Washington, the great KTTH. Go. Go right ahead, Angela. Hi, Angela. You've been there a long time. Are you still with us? Oh, we lost, we lost her. Too bad. Ralph, Spokane, Washington, XM Satellite. Ralph, go. How you doing? All right, sir. Go ahead, please. Hey, Mark, I appreciate appreciate you taking my call here. I found some stuff here that has really upset me. And, again, the media is the, you know, they're the ones behind everything. Share it with us. What did did you find? Well, what, what I found is that in 2009... They underreported numbers month after month and didn't tell us anything as they are sensationalizing this pandemic. And the numbers are all on the CDC.gov website, all the backups there. There's press briefings where if you look at the estimate from October 17, 2009, where they finally laid out how many people were dying, uh, they came up with a number of 540 children, zero to... Well, here, here's the thing, to make a bigger, 
excellent point, a bigger point here. You've got people attacking the president of the United States saying he needs to listen to his, his, his experts. He's been listening to his experts. I specifically asked Dr. Fauci if the president listens to him, listens to the science. It was unequivocal, yes. He said this is very, very impressive what's going on here. That said, it's the CDC that didn't have enough of the proper tests when this thing broke out. I haven't been condemning them. Nobody really saw this coming. Just like the governors attacking the president, they didn't really see this coming, but they knew that if there was some kind of pandemic, not just this virus, any pandemic, or a nuclear war, or or an attack on our electrical grid or something, these states aren't prepared. They don't make it a priority, like abortion on demand. So I'm just making the point, the CDC, if the president only listens to the CDC, the president will fail. So he listens to the CDC, NIH, the others at HHS. He listens to other experts, other people. He's taking information. He's making decisions. He's done one hell of a job, by the way. And now the same damn Democrats and rhinos, what do they do? A massive spending bill. Massive. Well beyond what's needed to take care of people who are unemployed. Well beyond what's needed to give loans to businesses, small, medium, and large, that need them. They're into everything. Subsidizing states. Subsidizing reservations. Subsidizing cities. Subsidizing the uh, Kennedy Center. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Yeah, I, I can't agree with you more, Mark. And the, the biggest thing that is upsetting me, the same experts that he's talking to now and he's listening to, and he's bringing in all this information and making common sense decisions from it. Uh, those are the same guys that were talking to Obama. But guess what? Obama wasn't telling us what they were no, telling No, that's him exactly right. Prove it. All right. Thank you for your call, my friend. You know what? When the president meets with these people, he's the smartest guy in the room. That's the truth. He's the smartest guy in the room. I'll be right back. As I keep saying, you probably have to vote for this bill if you're a Republican in the Congress. Because there are many people out there who need help. But this bill is a disgrace. It's a disgrace. It's half as big as it needs to be. That is, more articulately, let me say, you don't need more than a trillion dollars. The states are in on it. The localities are in on it. Kennedy Center is in on it. Well, if you're going to give money to the Kennedy Center, why wouldn't you give money to every museum in the country? Now, if you're going to give money to museums, why don't you give money to every sports arena in the country? And I can go on and on and on. On and on and on. And if you're going to give people 100% of their salaries over a four-month period up to $1,100 a week, you're going to see more people being furloughed, and you're going to be seeing the people furloughing telling them, I'll see you in four months, because you're getting paid anyway. By us. That's counterintuitive. The only person involved in this who's ever run a business is the President of the United States, not most of the members of Congress. Not the Treasury Secretary. 
Not the people advising the president, and not all of them, many of them have not. This, this is, this part here, absolutely nonsensical. And my friendly advice to the president is, because I support him, I do not wish to sabotage him. Don't celebrate this. It's the biggest bill ever. That's not good. I support the Kennedy senator getting money. What are you talking about? What? You know what kind of donations that, that place gets? What's happening is... There are 80 or 90% of us out here who are still working, still paying taxes, still making the country work. We understand there are fellow citizens who've been punished by this virus through no fault of their own, and we want to help them. But we don't want to go broke too, and we don't want to see the country go broke too. What a ma- How do you go from $1 trillion to $1.2 to $1.8 to $2 trillion? And then, and then the Republicans are celebrating it. You know damn well if Obama did this, we wouldn't be celebrating a damn thing. Again, I don't blame the president. He didn't write the bill. He's not a member of Congress. But his Treasury Secretary sure as hell could have done a better job, this Mnuchin. And I sure as hell wouldn't be celebrating this. That's just Mark's opinion. I'm not here to sabotage it. On the other hand, I'm not doing any fan dances either. It's filled with class warfare. It's filled with anti-American business conduct in this bill. Why we hate our own businesses, I'll never know. It's filled with redistribution of wealth. An enormous amount of money. Related to voting, for God's sakes? Doubt the Democrats? Then you have Democrats like Blumenthal saying, well, this is our third stimulus, but there might be a fourth and a fifth. You're dealing with insane people. <clears throat> insane. You know, there's a lot of wonderful things going on in the private sector, too. I don't tell you what I do. But I'll tell you, I'm leaving enormous tips to people. Enormous tips. I don't need the government to tell me to redistribute, redistribute wealth. If I want to redistribute my wealth, I'll do it. But this is crazy. And of course, for Pelosi, it's not enough. They're not done, you know. The House isn't done. And to see my old friend Larry Kudlow out there excited about $6 trillion, he says. $2 trillion in fiscal dollars. And four fifty to $500 billion that provides a statutory basis for the Federal Reserve to loan out another $4 trillion. I go, Larry, what, what, are you, what are you doing? And the president is absolutely right. This liquidity means nothing if you keep shuttering businesses. So you look around the country, you listen to your medical experts, but they're not economists. They're not in charge. They weren't elected. The president's elected. As I said, he's the smartest guy in the room. He's smarter than all of his advisors, medical and otherwise. And you make a decision. 
There's no reason to shut down North Dakota. There's no reason to shut down South Dakota. There's no reason to shut down Wyoming and Kansas and Idaho and Iowa. Excuse me. They're not all New York City and Seattle and San Francisco and L.A. Concentrate your resources in those areas, medical and otherwise. And the governors in these areas, shut the hell up for once and stop complaining about the federal government that's bending over backwards to fill gaps that you should have filled in the first place, Cuomo. You were told that you weren't ready for a pandemic, and you're out there pushing abortion on demand. That I remember. Does anybody remember Cuomo talking about a potential pandemic? Does anybody remember Cuomo six months ago saying, we don't have enough beds, we don't have enough ventilators? Not a damn thing out of his mouth. And same with a knucklehead in California. Well, Mark, how could you expect them to know? They were told. Now, that said, I don't expect them to draw all their resources in case of a pandemic. So cancer patients, heart disease patients, diabetic patients, influenza patients, and all kinds of patients with all kinds of horrific illnesses have no access to hospitals and beds and and ventilators and the rest. Because that's what would happen. But they know that, these governors. So why are they trashing the president? You know, in a perfect world, no one would ever find themselves in unimaginable credit card debt. But the reality is it happens. By the way, now you know why the liberal media hates my guts. They hate me. And they can stick it. They're all members of Fatties United or FU, as far as I'm concerned. In a perfect world, no one would ever find themselves in unmanageable credit card debt. But the reality is, it happens. Job layoffs, medical emergencies, car troubles, life happens. And it can be easy to get deeper into debt if you carry a high balance month over month. So why not make today the day you do something about it? Get a free mortgage review from my friends at American Financing and learn about refinancing that debt in your, into your mortgage. And you'll get much lower interest rate. You'll also only have one manageable monthly payment to focus on. It could mean up to $1,000 in monthly savings, maybe more. This is an opportunity. What the Fed has done presents you with an opportunity to save money. That doesn't cost the government a penny. It doesn't cost you a penny. It saves you money. And best of all, you don't have to start your loan term over, and that's going to save you a hell of a lot of money on interest. So do yourself a favor. American Financing is a family-owned company. These are down-to-earth, hard-working people. This is what they do for a living. They want to customize, personalize a loan for you. They're not going to give you, you know, the, uh, the bums rush. Their people are not on commission. They're salaried whether they, whether they acquire a loan or not. And you'll see. All you have to do is call them and give them 10 minutes. Here's their number. 888-900-1828. 888 Or you can go online at AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS, 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Let us go to, uh, let's see, Cindy, Boise, Idaho, on Sirius Satellite. You're a trucker. How are you, Cindy? Oh, well, I'm doing pretty good, just trundling down the road. But, hey, I just have a comment, Mark, to say, and it's out to President Trump. 
I realize that the Democrats are holding the country hostage. But, man, you promised us that this country would not be a socialist country. Well, it's, if you pass this, it's pretty doggone close, is it not? You're smarter than they are. Watch your back, your front, and your sides. All right. That's and by the comment. way, thank you for what you're doing, too, Cindy. Truckers are the great heroes right now. Thank you. Among many. Among many. The people who run the supermarkets and work in the supermarkets. The pharmacists and the people who work in these pharmacies. FedEx. UPS. The Postal Service employees. All heroes. The young people, many of them young, some of them not, who are working at these fast food restaurants where you do the drive through You know, if the liberals had their way, they were going to shut down all these places, remember? Kind of have these places, the... Food is not healthy. How about we get to eat? The farmers and the ranchers. The cops and the firefighters, the emergency personnel. These people are still working. The doctors and the nurses and everybody who works at these facilities. All of you who are still working, making this country work so these clowns in Washington, D.C. and Capitol Hill can keep going on and on and on. Spending money like drunken Marxists. Here's something I've noticed, Mr. Producer. How many staffers on Capitol Hill have been let go? Anybody aware? I'm not aware of any. Isn't it amazing the federal government gets bigger and bigger and bigger and the salaries of congressional staffers and congressmen are unaffected while the rest of the country is affected? Isn't that amazing to you? They want to make sure that the corporations, the president and the vice president, then they don't make any money off this stuff. Meanwhile, meanwhile, I don't see any layoffs on Capitol Hill. Do you? I don't see any pullbacks on their pensions or their salaries on Capitol Hill. Do you? Nothing in their bills for that. Nothing. Unbelievable. Let's continue. Anthony, Queens, New York, the great WABC. One of our heroes and a police officer. How are you, sir? Hey, Marcus. It's actually about court officers and criminal court, but I was just telling you, producer, who's immense always. I'm, I am, I'm livid because, you know, some of us are working on skeleton crews, and that's all right. We're going to get paid. But there are people that are actually starving and dying out there. I hear horror stories from New York Presbyterian, Long Island Jewish, Columbia Presbyterian, some of the best hospitals in the world. And these people want to give money to the post office they want to give money to Planned Parenthood, NPR. I'm surprised they haven't put in a half a, half a billion dollars in for CNN and MSNBC. Yeah. I, well, they came close. So one of these uh, newspaper uh, companies, uh, they wanted you and me to subsidize uh, the, uh, the, the unemployment and pensions for them. I, I tell you, these nurses and doctors are amazing, amazing people. Yes, they are. And I just know that this president, has a, he has a set of brass ones, excuse my language, and he should go out there and just bulletin point, why don't I take this money that they're asking for, give to New York, Texas, L.A., whatever, Seattle, whatever big cities need it, instead of wasting it on stuff that has no importance to this stuff. Yeah. Uh, All right. You're a hero, and, and I usually don't try to call you like 10, 20 times, but, you know, we tried to reach out to a couple of senators here, and uh, nobody's in the office. Nobody's taking calls. I, I hope their voicemails are all full up. With, the, with people that are listening to you, and, and even Democrats that are pissed off. I know a lot of them that are, that are pissed off. So I'm sorry, Mark, for venting, but 
you know what? Someone's got to say something. All right, my brother. Thank you. It's a good guy. Let's keep going. Connie, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the great WPHT, home of my man, Richie Z. Go right ahead. Hi, this is Connie. Hi. Yes, Connie, how are you? Pretty good. How are you doing? Um, the reason I'm calling for it is very short. Trump has the greatest audience right now when he's reporting this on TV. Why doesn't he announce, I just want a bill for this relief of this, and the Democrats want all these other things, let's put that on hold, and let's just get the money out to the people. Let the world see what's holding this up and what they're doing. Well, it looks like they're going to pass it. $2 trillion. It jumped from $1.2 trillion to $2 trillion in one week. I agree. But does everyone know that the Democrats want the Kennedy Center and they want the uh, other things uh, to, in order for them to sign it? Why can't he just say, I want this for the virus? Well, unfortunately, today, I wasn't thrilled with the press conference today because, unfortunately, today, he said he supported that money for the Kennedy Center, which is really quite shocking. I I, I absolutely don't. Let them go raise their own money like every other uh, fine arts or museum or dance theater or whatever. Now... Now's not the time to be funding the Kennedy Center so all the senators and congressmen and bureaucrats can go over to the Kennedy Center. Exactly. Now, what is it exactly that the Republicans are wanting that the Democrats are against? Say that, say that again? What is it exactly that the Republicans want with, with this bill? Who the hell knows? All right, my friend, thank you for your call. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. Tell me, tell me, tell me, who is calling for a uh, respite on immigration right now? I'm thinking about this during the break. Legal and illegal. Neither party. Neither. Why wouldn't you, at least for now, and by the way, this was done in the 20s for a good period of time. Wouldn't you at least for now saying we're freezing that with Americans who are unemployed, with Americans who are going to be furloughed, We don't need a foreign workforce coming into this country right now. Those are here on visas or here on visas and so forth and so on. But why would you continue to allow that? This is an anti-immigrant. This is called being rational. And by the way, also for health care reasons. I understand we've secured the northern border more, the southern border more. Isn't it funny the Democrats never talk about this? Isn't it funny the big labor unions never talk about this? All they talk about is controlling the boardrooms, controlling executive pay. How about controlling the border? How come the big labor bosses and the big Democrat bosses conspire against working Americans in this country, including union members? Four months of pay. How about four months we freeze immigration? Just the thought. Doesn't cost anything either, by the way. You know, online shopping is supposed to be easy. Many of you are involved in that now in a way you never were before. So why is finding coupon codes that actually work so hard? With Honey, I've got the answer. With Honey, it doesn't have to be. Honey is free. It is free. It's the free online shopping tool that automatically finds the best promo codes and applies them to your cart. 
Just download Honey to your computer and shop on all your favorite websites like normal. Now, when you check out, just click the little Apply Coupons button that pops up. Apply Coupons. Wait a few seconds, and guess what? Honey will scan all the databases of all the working coupons on the web. And then your price drops. I'm giving you a way to save money right now. It doesn't cost the government a penny. And it saves you money. Honey works on nearly every online store, including Walmart, Target, Home Depot, Macy's, Etsy's, and a lot more. Honey has found over $2 billion in savings. And that's why it has over 100,000 five-star reviews on the Google Chrome store. Not using Honey, literally, you're passing up free money. Plus, it's free. It's free to use. And installs in just a few seconds. So, here's what I want you to do. Get Honey for free. Do this. Join Honey.com slash Levin. That's joinhoney.com slash Levin. You've got to put the word join in. Joinhoney.com slash L-E-V-I-N. Write it down. Joinhoney.com slash L-E-V-I-N. Now shop on the Internet. Now get your savings. We're going to continue in our town hall meeting where you are speaking to me and you're not too happy about what's going on. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. My number, 877 877-381-381. 3811. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to continue with your calls. I had a lot prepared here. I still do. Got a pile of information, but I've just decided, and that's the great nature of live radio and talk radio, I'm going to reverse course here or change course because you want to talk. Our phone lines are extremely hot right now and busy. They're filled every second of the Well, they're always filled, but they're filled. And so when you hear me take a call, that's when you should be dialing immediately. Dialing. Pressing your buttons. Let's continue. Let's go to Lynn, Fayetteville, North Carolina. And this is all over the country now. XM Satellite, go. How are you, Lynn? Hi. Nice Nice to talk to you, Mark. Thank you. I have got to say I absolutely love your show. And Thank you. are spot on. And I wanted to make a comment. Um, why, well, it's actually kind of a comment and kind of a question. Why did these governors think that killing the economy was going to kill the virus by shutting everything down? That doesn't make any sense to me. Well, in some of these areas, in some of these areas, it is uh, understandable. Where you have high concentrations of people... 
and the virus is on the move. But that is not most of the United States. 60% of the new cases are in New York City. And so you've got a big country out there. And they're running short of resources for a lot of reasons that we've talked about. But you husband your resources and you send them like a military operation or any other operation where they're really needed. Uh, Testing, it's a little bit of a different issue. You test as many people as you can uh, in order to determine where the problem is. And also, that's where you're going to see really the uh, mortality statistics. And you're going to find, I'm convinced, and I I showed you the uh, professors at Stanford, they're convinced that an enormous number of people have this virus don't know it or have relatively minor uh, uh, consequences from it, whereas these other populations, elderly people with underlying illnesses and so forth, it's a grave danger for many of them. Okay, so what do you, why are we collecting the data? And the answer is to do smart things with the data. And that's what the president, I believe, is trying to do. He's saying, okay, now we have more data. So now we need to be concentrated and focused, and i got to open up the rest of the country. We've got to have an economy, or we're not going to have beds, and we're not going to have ventilators, and we're not going to have this, that, and the other that everybody's demanding. And, of course, it's absolutely right. We do one or the other, either focus on the virus or restart the economy. I think you can do both. I agree. He agrees. And Problem I- is you've got people, particularly in the disgusting media, that keep making you think that we have a choice between health and jobs. That's not true. No, it, that's it, not. It, it is in targeted areas, but generally it's not true. You can do both. And people mm-hmm. need these jobs. You know, they need to get back to their lives. And, you know, you've got people in California who, from what I heard last, it's a misdemeanor to even leave your house. Yeah, crazy. I know. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. It's insane. It's insane. President Trump, if I, if I had the power to give President Trump the power for him to do just, you know, what he thinks is right, I think he would do the right thing, including with this bill they're proposing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I agree, you know, Easter seems like a reasonable time to, you know, make things more open again. Mm-hmm. And Pelosi, on the other hand... What, what, do you, what do you make of this spending bill? Uh, let's just say if I could find a way to eliminate Pelosi from planet Earth, I would. Well, it's not just Pelosi now. This bill's coming out of the Republican Senate. I'll see. Oh, damn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. All right. Yeah. I... Doesn't, make, doesn't make it any better, does it? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I love your show. I'll let you get on with it. Thank you. And it was very nice to talk to you, and thank you for letting me see my piece. All right. Well done. Let's continue. Let's go to Stephen in Bronx, New York, the great WABC. Go. Yeah, hi, Mark. Uh, listen, no one really cares what I think, but I want to, But what I want to say is that nobody, nobody's getting off their rear end and saying, you stinking communist, this is your fault, you caused this, you're going to pay for crippling the world's economy. Now, you pay up or get turned into a desolate wasteland. You have three seconds to decide. No, no, uh, sir. Thank you for your call. You're calling the wrong show. It's ridiculous. Turn China into wasteland? Are you not aware they have nukes? To, I mean, stupid talk. This is conservative talk. 
Somebody thinks this four-month salary idea is quite good. Charlene, Palm Springs, California, the great KNWZ. How are you? Uh, hi. Hi. Uh, hi, it's Charlene. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm, no, I know. I, sa- I, I thought I said that. Anyway, go right ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just want to say I agree with everything you say except for the uh, four-month unemployment yeah. insurance. Um, I don't think anybody wants to be out of a job. I mean, That's what? not the point that anybody wants to be out of a job. The point is there's a certain percentage that can play this system. As I've explained twice now, I'm an employer, and I have 50 employees, and I want to sort of reduce my costs. I don't really want to throw people out, but now I can do that. I call 20 people in, and I say, look, or I call all 50, and I say, which 20 of you want to have a, uh, a uh, which 20 of you want to go home for four months with full pay up to $1,100 a week? I think you'll get volunteers. That's why unemployment insurance never pays 100%, because you're going to build in corruption, waste, and fraud. And that's what this does. It builds in corruption, waste, and fraud. You also create disincentives. We have people breaking their asses out there and earning the minimum wage. And, and that, ma'am, I'm trying to educate you, seriously. And then you have the government coming along and saying, hey, you know, you can be furloughed for four months and get paid in full. It's not the time for the government to be doing that. Go ahead. Mark. Mark, as an employer, you're going to see the person as lazy. I've had a couple employees before, and if someone went out and took this four months for a vacation, I would see them as lazy. And I might, doesn't matter I, what you see them as. They're unemployed. They're furloughed. They get the money. The government's giving them the money, not you. But once the four months is over with, they're unemployed, and they've got to be out in the market again looking for a job. And That's not- fine, but in the meantime... Me and Mr. Taxpayer and Mrs. Taxpayer have paid for this. Why are you making excuses for this? No, but I'm, I don't think it's the most important thing on that bill. Well, That's it's a I'm... very stupid thing on the bill. If you want to strengthen unemployment insurance, because a lot of these insurances don't have a lot of money, because the states blow the money, people out there need to know who don't know, employers and employees contribute to this. That's one thing. You want to give people a thousand bucks or twelve hundred bucks who are truly unemployed as a result of, of not their fault? I got that. People also have access, ma'am, to f- food stamps. We've been paying hundreds of billions of dollars for food stamps. They also have access to Cobra. We've been spending hundreds of billions of dollars on Cobra. And you call me and act like there's nothing available. No, I'm saying I don't. No, I don't. I don't agree. No, with- nobody should get one hundred percent. Because the corruption that's built into the system cannot be controlled. $125 billion a year in the federal government, according to the GAO. In fact, they say it's $125 to $250 billion a year, waste, fraud, and abuse. And when you're giving people 100%, if they're furloughed tomorrow, that's waste, fraud, and abuse waiting to happen. Thank you for your call. We'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. 
More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. By the way, you know, I've got plenty of audio here. It's all over the Internet, too, of Joe Biden making a damn fool of himself. I do not understand how his wife and his family, I'm being quite honest with you, have allowed him to seek the presidency. Number one, he's humiliating himself, whether the press protects him and celebrates him or not. Number two, don't they love this man? Number three, he is incapable of being president of the United States. I want you to think of something. Here we have Donald Trump, who is leading the charge in this war against this horrific virus, right? Does anybody believe that Joe Biden is capable of this? Seriously. Advisors or no advisors? He is not. He's not even capable of finishing sentences, finishing thoughts. It is appalling that it's been allowed to get this far. It's appalling. And yet he's going to be the nominee of the Democrat Party. But to show you how worried some of them are, they're talking up Cuomo now. I don't know exactly why Cuomo's presidential material... He didn't prepare for this pandemic, despite the fact that a report was put out in 2008 specifically talking about New York, that it wasn't ready, that it didn't have beds, it didn't have ventilators. 2015, as the president pointed out, that's not that long ago. He turned down spending additional money on these things. He had other priorities. He's not the only one. So what the, why is he presidential material? Because he can hold a good press conference with charts and graphics and so forth? That poor city's gone through hell right now, New York. And I love that city. I love the cops, the firefighters, the hardworking blue-collar workers in that city, the white-collar workers in that city. They're in my blood. I love going to that city. It's not my home city. My great Philadelphia is. And I live outside of Washington. That's not my point. I'm not comparing. It's a great, wonderful city. It needs our help. It needs the nation's help. But the governor didn't prepare for anything outside the usual. Not in any significant way. You know, they limited the number of hospital beds. They limited the number of ICU beds. They limited the number of ventilators. Now... They need beds, they need ICU beds, and they need ventilators. Your Congress has limited the number of doctors through Medicare funding 
which limits the number of residents in the country. Well, if you don't have a residency successfully, you can't become a doctor. Okay, so the federal Congress limited doctors effectively. Many of your states have limited hospitals, the expansion of hospitals, hospital beds, ventilators, and not just those. MRI machines, CT machines, and on and on and on. They regulate and smother the private sector. This is the consequence. And it's the private sector that's going to save us. (coughs) Excuse me. Let's continue. Austin, Gainesville, Florida, the great WSKY. Go. The idea that the government can tell me, a real estate investor who has 16 rental properties, privately owned, none of them are HUD, none of them are Section 8, no federal dollars whatsoever, tell me I can't evict. Now, one of the hardest things for me to do as a landlord, as an owner, is to evict people. But guess what? Here's the kicker. Let me slow everybody down so they know. Most aren't. It takes months to remove somebody. You've got to go through all kinds of proceedings and hoops. and so, so it's already an onerous task. Go ahead. So for the people, the real estate investors who have mortgages on these loans, say a house burns down and the mm-hmm. mortgage has been freezed because they're forced not to pay the mortgage. Mm-hmm. This is going to have an epic, epic, enduring problem on the insurance company because guess what? Your insurance company is not going to pay if that house burns down because your tenant who's leaving the hot pockets on and not paying rent, not paying attention, and they're sitting there, they're furloughed. This furlough goes, the tentacles on this bill goes to every single square inch of America. This is pure communism is all this is. And this is the kicker. This is the nail in the coffin, Mark. I, I don't think people understand if you can't evict people because they're not paying, you're going to have landlords going out of business. You're going to have apartment complexes that are going to go uh, without the kinds of repairs and, and, and cleaning that need to be done in these apartment houses. And you're going to have fewer and fewer people investing in apartment buildings. That's what's going to happen. We are going to dump these properties as soon as this bill is inactive. That's, see, that's what I'm afraid of. Yep. You're right. Before this, cash was trash, right? Real estate is where to put it, get your money working. Now cash, everybody's going to be putting their mattresses back again. And here's the kicker. This bill, the clock on this bill does not start ending until after the Emergency Act mm-hmm. stops. So say, say Trump gets us back to Easter Sunday and lifts everything. you got a six-month clock for this mm-hmm. to end. They wrote this into the bill. So we don't even know when it's going to end. Whenever it ends, whenever that magical date is, six months after that is when this bill is non void. Thanks, Mark. Oh, boy. Thank you, Austin. Unbelievable. That's going to be a huge problem. Huge problem. Let's go to Russell, Allen, Texas, the great WBAP. Go, please. Yeah, this is uh, Russell with Allen. Yes, sir. Yeah, so uh, I wanted to say that all, everybody in the federal government, somebody touched on it earlier, I think you did, uh, Mr. Levin, about the, uh, the Congress is still getting paid. Well, all these people that are making decisions. It's not just Congress, the bureaucracy. Yes, bureaucracy. And the state and local levels, they're still getting paid, too. And even the radio yes, they stations, are. some people on the radio stations that are talking about shutting down businesses, they're still getting their checks. Although a lot of people in the radio stations I deal with are not working. Or they're working from home, maybe. 
No. They're not working. See, radio works with advertisers. Okay. If if people don't make money, they're not buying advertising. True. Radio, Radio is still a private enterprise, except NPR. NPR gets a shot of hundreds of millions of dollars in this bill. Yes. What the hell is that all about? I disagree with that, and we have a we have a uh, a judge here in our in our county that just uh, uh, made a decree that said that he doesn't want to shutter businesses. He wants everybody to work if they can uh, abide by the guidelines, and he's being ostracized because he's not shutting down businesses. I know. I the governor of Florida has been much more uh, prudential and careful about what's going on, and he comes under attack. Why aren't you doing what the governor of New York did? Why aren't you doing what the governor of California did? And he says, because I'm not those governors. And this is my state, and our state is affected differently. Why is everybody in such a hurry to shut down businesses? Isn't it amazing? Because they're celebrated. Yeah. They're they're celebrated. Look, they really take this seriously. The easiest thing a governor can do is shut down businesses. Easiest thing they can do. The hardest thing they can do is really figure out the areas they need to be treated, you know, with intense uh, medical resources, uh, an intense uh, uh, social distancing and so forth, as opposed to the other areas. Rational thinking, thoughtfulness right now is rejected. It's condemned. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. And the Republicans don't like him, but America does. You can call Mark Levin at 877-381-3811. You know, folks, here's the thing. People think TV, cable TV has massive audiences. Talk radio has the biggest. The biggest. This program's heard on AM and FM. It's heard on satellite. This program's heard on the Mark Levin app, the iHeart app. It's directly streamed on the computer or whatever device you have as well. And our podcast is massive. So in any given week, any given week, 25 million, maybe 30 million people listening, coming in and out of the show. I know they put out 11 million on radio and so forth. They have no idea. No idea. 
This is uh, a great honor to me. I am blessed, particularly this time of the day or evening, because you have so many other things you can be doing. But thanks to you, this is by far the number one program, certainly in this time slot, all over the country. Period. You can include music and sports and whatever you want to include. Doesn't matter. And we have to earn that. We're not NPR. We're not a government radio entity that's protected by the Democrats. And here in the middle of this stimulus bill gets millions of dollars to subsidize them. NPR, National Pubic Radio. Incredible. Why? Why aren't there layoffs there? Why aren't there layoffs in the federal bureaucracy? Why aren't there layoffs in Congress and their staff? But they they feel your pain, ladies and gentlemen, so they're going to spend the nation into bankruptcy. Everybody everybody in this bill gets something. Even people who don't deserve a plug nickel. Even people who don't need plug nickel. That's the problem. It's profligate. It's irresponsible. And that's the damn Congress. One bill after another they send to the president with massive debt. But this one takes the cake. The world has never seen anything like this. And I don't want to hear we've never faced anything like this. Really? We never have? Maybe you've not heard of the Civil War. Or World War II. But in terms of pandemics, Mark, maybe you didn't hear of the pandemic, uh, 1917, 1918. We don't even know the death figures. Again, not to downplay this. It's serious. I am not playing games. I don't want to be taken out of context. But there is no justification for using a crisis where people need help, businesses need help, patients need help, doctors, nurses, hospitals need help to spend an extra one trillion damn dollars. Goes from one trillion to one two to one eight to two trillion. And for God's sakes, don't ask them where they're getting the money from. Because they don't have a calm down, Mark. They don't have the foggiest idea. So we're all socialists now. We're all socialists now. It's the private sector that makes this country work. And if we're going to shutter certain businesses as these governors are doing, mostly the governors, then yes, we have a responsibility to recompense them. But we don't have a responsibility to people who are employed and getting a paycheck. And we don't have a responsibility to ensure that people who are now going to be furloughed, get 100% of their salaries over the next four months. Because we know that the system's going to be played, just like Social Security and Medicare and Medicare played, to the tune of $125 billion a year. But now when I mention billion, it's a joke, isn't it, Mr. Producer? $125 billion. Who cares? We're going to spend $2 trillion here. And my buddy Larry Kudlow says it's not really $2 trillion, it's $6 trillion. Why does he say that when we're talking about $4 trillion in loans to make it look big? We've never seen anything this big. They're celebrating. Look how big it is. They do not understand. You, my listeners, are furious about this. Listen to the... I never take calls for two hours. Out of all the calls, we've had one that's defended this. We've had truckers call. We've had a nurse call. We've had the wife of a butcher call. We've had 
Small business people call. We had a guy that owns a few properties, a landlord call. And you're all furious and disgusted with what's taking place here. They're in a bubble up there in Washington. They really are. And the Kennedy Center gets money. The administration's happy. Congress is happy. Are you kidding me? There's a lot of museums. There's a lot of performance arts places that aren't getting a damn penny. Why the Kennedy Center? Why? Because senators and congressmen like to go there. It's Washington, D.C. They're treated, you know, specially. What about museums in Philadelphia? The art museum there, they're not getting anything. What about museums in other cities? What about orchestras that are shutting down? What about on and on and on? What makes the Kennedy Center different from all the others? Why? It's in Washington, that's why. And everyone in Washington is very pleased. Meanwhile, they can raise a ton of money there. And the tickets are very expensive. But we're out for the little guy. We're out for the little guy. Hundreds of millions to advance the voter corruption cause of the Democrat Party. But don't worry, folks. It's only a one-time deal, you see. It's always a one-time deal. TARP was one time. Last several massive budgets, one time. This is one time. Everything's one time. We've never seen anything like this before, on and on and on. How about have a little faith in the American people, Congress? A little faith in the private sector, Congress. Help the people who need help. Give significant, zero-interest, long-term loans to the businesses that need help. But otherwise, you're screwing us. Those who are working, those who are in bit, you're screwing us. And you're not helping the restaurateur. You're not helping the people that work at restaurants. You're not. You're not helping the bars and the people who work at bars. You're not. This is an inexcusable spending spree. And unfortunately, the president has to sign it. Just don't celebrate the damn thing. Unfortunately, the president has to sign it because there's money in there for people who need it. And because the governments put them out of business. Mostly state governments. So we're going to spend a trillion pretty much where it needs to go. And we're going to waste a trillion. Give or take. To the closest hundred billion. These numbers. It's, I've never even heard of numbers like this before. All of a sudden, there's no food stamp program, there's no unemployment program, there's no welfare program. All of a sudden, that safety net we have spent tens of trillions of dollars on for three quarters of a century doesn't exist anymore. What happened to it? Where did it go? Now we're redistributing wealth. We got plenty of class warfare. You gotta hate our companies, gotta hate the executives, gotta hate the shareholders. You're the shareholders. You have an IRA? You have a 401k? That's you. These companies that we have, get the companies, get the companies. They employ Americans, human beings, or they wouldn't be big companies. There's other things they could have done. I Just off the top of my head, give a 10-year 
and I talked about this. No corporate income tax break to companies that are the first to actually find therapies and or vaccines that can control or kill this virus. Whatever happened to something like that? What's wrong with that? I can come up with a with a hundred creative ideas that barely cost anything. Well, Mark, you're denying the government money. Denying the government money is not is not an expenditure, despite the fact that the left and the media have convinced so many people that it is. It's not their money. But we're all socialists now. And I do not blame the president. This guy's breaking his back. And he's made brilliant decisions. And he wants to make more brilliant decisions. But he's under attack. I understand he has to sign this bill. And I understand most senators have to vote for this bill. But don't celebrate it. Expose it. And explain to the American people. Whether you're a conservative senator... We're in the White House. This is a huge problem, this bill. It is not the bill I asked for. It's not the bill I wanted. I understand my Treasury Secretary was negotiating for this. But we had a gun to our heads. And I want to make it clear, this must never happen again, this kind of spending. Must never happen again. We're here to try and help the American people, help American enterprise. That's why we're doing this. Not for all these other reasons that are in this bill. If we controlled the House and had a bigger margin in the Senate, there's no way this would happen. If I were writing the bill, it wouldn't look like this. But here I am. Under the Constitution, I either veto it or sign it. But it needs to be condemned. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. You know, listening to our wonderful callers tonight, Yufa, it almost reminds me of the early Tea Party rumblings. You know, I was very active in the Tea Party movement. But it almost reminds me of the early Tea Party rumblings, listening to you folks. All walks of life, all over the country. You're smart. You're working hard. You understand we're facing a very, very 
difficult situation. You want to help. You want your fellow citizens to be cared for, whether they're out of work or whether they're ill. But you also know Washington, D.C., and you're looking at this, and you're furious. Every single caller but one is angry with this spending. We're going to try and take a couple more calls, but I want to give you an example of what's going on here. Long Island, angry with Trump's choice. He must speak up. Salina, Kansas, trucker. This is redistribution of wealth. Athens, Alabama, we have to make concessions, but this is too much. Silver Spring, Maryland, private sector sustains this country. Temecula, California, voter registration issues in this bill are bad. And in California, stimulus is BS. Just help the waitresses and other people who serve you. So let's listen to some of this. Let us go to Tim in Salina, Salina or Salina, Kansas. Where are you, sir? Salina. Salina, Kansas. I'm sorry. Serious satellite. Go right ahead. You need to call this what it is, a redistribution of wealth bill. And, Mark, here's the deal. The Republicans need to announce. They need to do something that's totally unprecedented. They need to announce the president and vice president for 2024. Levin, Gowdy. We need eight years of Levin. We need eight years of Gowdy. We need a Republican House and Senate. Now, now, what do you do for a living? I drive a truck. I'm hauling trucker. toilet paper to stupid people. Okay. <laughs> you know, I heard my buddy Chris Plant this morning when I was in the car. He said, I always knew these liberals were full of you-know-what, but my God, they use a lot of toilet paper. Listen, Mark, you can't stay behind that mic. That's well, right, I said it. All right, brother. Listen, we love you. Keep up the good work out there. We need the toilet paper because they keep stealing it off the shelves. Incredible. I don't know if I told you this, you know, my memory, but I'm going to tell you it anyway. So my beautiful, brilliant wife, she goes to the store, she brings stuff back, and I said, you know, we need ketchup too. I, I like a lot of ketchup. She resists it, but, you know, at some point you wear, you wear the other one down, and I guess I have. She said, there's no ketchup. I said, no ketchup and no toilet paper. What, are they eating toilet paper with ketchup? I mean, I'm not hoarding ketchup. I need my ketchup. I'm like the president. When I'm eating a steak, I want my ketchup. When I'm eating a hamburger, I want my ketchup. You wouldn't believe what I put ketchup on. Let's continue. Robert, Athens, Alabama, XM Satellite. How are you, sir? Yeah, Mark. Go right ahead, my friend. Doing all right. Yeah, the... uh... If, if Trump's got to make a concession, let them have their little theater. But this other stuff about the airlines, uh, the new regulations they want to put in and all the uh, voter uh, stealing they want to do and all that, you know, that's the only thing. I mean, yeah. You know, you know the Democrats apparently want to own these airlines. Oh, they yeah. want to control who's on the board. They want to control their fuel and their, their exhaustion and all that. These idiots... Can you imagine? I mean, they don't know how to run a damn thing. Listen, I want to thank you, Robert. I want to thank all of you who participated. You've been magnificent. All of you listening, magnificent. We'll get through it together, as they say. But we're going to keep an eye on this spending. And I want to salute all you heroes out there. 
All of you heroes, you know who you are. Thank you for doing what you're doing. And I'll be right here, and I'll see you tomorrow. God bless you. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.